1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SP Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the podcast for Packer fans who know what happened they want to know why and how, and anytime you want to hit us up, ask a question about why or how or what, doesn't matter. You could be out of the country and not have known what happened. You, you might not like Twitter. I can't blame you for that. If you want to be a part of our community, send me a question, a comment. Uh, uh, A Christmas recipe. I didn't get any Thanksgiving recipes. A little disappointed that I did. Maybe a Christmas cocktail recipe. Would love to get those on the Locked On Packers fan hotline. That's 920-341-3775. We're we're switching up the schedule a little bit this week because of some schedule conflicts. Trying to get Crossover Wednesday on the books. uh, Trying to get three journalists on even an internet connection together can can be a, a perilous task at times. So we're going to have Jason Horshern on the show today and talk about coaching options because I know that is something that a lot of Packer fans are really focused on right now, especially uh, with the game on Sunday that Green Bay should not only win uh, but win handily. And we won't know for probably at least a week uh, where Green Bay is realistically with their playoff chances such that you care about those things. There are a lot of fans, based on you know the way my mentions look, that don't really care about it. They want to tank. And I, I wrote about it yesterday for Acme Packing Company, why I didn't feel like this team should tank. Uh, we talked about it on the show a little bit. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not something that I think is tenable for this team. They have a lot of young players that they are still trying to get focused. And create winning habits for them. And and that is so much harder when the games don't matter. And it's so much harder to evaluate these players. So much harder to decide whether or not someone can hang in big moments if they don't face any big moments. And it's really difficult to value a young player showing and proving that he can make winning plays if you don't actually value whether or not you win or you lose. So maybe if you're a fan, you can say, well, what I really want is for guys like Aaron Jones and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jair Alexander, Josh Jackson, I want them to play really well, but I still want the team to lose for draft position. Wh- why? Why? And, and I think more to the point, it becomes untenable at a certain point. You know, there are fans that have said, oh, I want them to go 0-5. Well, do you understand the kind of, uh, of negative energy that brings into your building? That kind of thing carries over because this team is not a four-win team or a five or even a six-win team. They should have been an eight, nine, ten-win team. Injuries, coaching, some bad luck, and and some really sloppy execution have kept them from reaching the heights that their talent says that they should be at. But my point here is you need to learn how to win as a team together. And you can't build these losing habits. You look at the Jaguars. They only had one year of real success. And they hit a little adversity this year. Guys aren't quite playing at the same level on defense. And now they're a disaster because they didn't really build a winning culture. They brought in some free agents who helped them play better. And they did play better, but they didn't build a winning culture. There's a reason the Patriots win every year. There's a reason the Steelers win every year. And and for a long time, there was a reason Green Bay won every year. There's a reason Seattle is one of the toughest-minded teams in the league. It is a reflection of their leadership, but it is a reflection as well of their culture. Kevin Durant wanted to go play with the Warriors because they had the best culture in basketball. Now, that is has fallen apart a little bit lately, but winning can, can create its own problems. Your culture has to be strong enough to weather those. By the way, the Warriors are still going to win the title this year, so it's ultimately not going to matter. You need to value winning from start to finish if you want your players to value it. And culturally, Green Bay... The, even if the message from McCarthy has gotten stale, you still want them active and engaged and involved and focused and not playing selfishly like you see bad teams do. The Jaguars, right now, especially on that defense, they're playing selfishly. You can't have that. And speaking of being selfish, one place you can't be selfish is in the bedroom. And if you need a little help with increased performance, with confidence, Listen up, bluechew.com has a solution for you. That's blue like the color chew. They bring you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever The opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your final shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. All right, let's bring him in. He is my friend and yours. I know one of the favorite guests of listeners, Jason Hershorn. You can follow him on Twitter at by underscore JBH. You can find his work at SBNation, fansided, NFL.com. Jason, thank you for coming back as America's guest now on Locked On Packers. The first and only time that I've represented America, so I'm happy about this. (laughs) So uh, we have we had a lot of fun before the season with our um, GM, coach, fifty three man roster disagreements, and so now we're back to potentially change the coach of the Green Bay Packers. And let's start. I mean, let's start with an easy place. Uh, What? Where would you put the likelihood of Green Bay moving on from Mike McCarthy at the end of the season?
0: I called the time of death on the McCarthy era after the Patriots loss. So given that they've managed to lose in a, a, I would say a pretty disappointing fashion to the Seahawks since then, if it wasn't 100% before we are at that mark now, it's just past the point where I think you can really argue that it's salvageable. I don't think that's the same as saying that McCarthy could not be an effective head coach again somewhere else, but his time in Green Bay has come to an
1: end. Yeah, I I totally agree with with most of what you said. I thought if they had if they had won in Seattle and gotten hot late, that maybe that could have saved his job. But uh, we're certainly two losses after that. Uh, We are just well beyond that point. So before we get, get into the actual candidates here, let's let's talk about who just in a vacuum, just construct me the traits of the coach that you think is best suited to shepherd this team forward. This isn't really a difficult thing to analyze. It's all about getting the most out of Aaron
0: Rodgers, getting the most out of that offense, especially in an era of the NFL where it's not that defense does not matter. I think that's a misnomer that you hear a lot from talking heads, but the way you have to construct a defense, the way you have to scheme a defense is different and maybe a place where you can stretch your resources a little more than on offense. It really is so much more about that side of the ball right now. So finding the right guy, not just to engage and encourage Rodgers, but to get the most out of all of that offensive talent that they have. Because I, I don't think this is you know a top 10 talented offense outside of the quarterback, but it's not just Rodgers running the
1: whole show when it's working. They do have other good players there. Yeah, and and to your point about defense, uh, if you look around the league, the really good defense is... It, it's almost like who cares? I mean, outside of the Bears, the really good defensive teams are not the top teams. All the top teams are the great offenses, and maybe that just is rules, and maybe it's that's where the coaching minds are or or whatever it is, but the the moral of the story is you have to score points, and Green Bay just hasn't done that consistently enough. So an offensive mind, okay, is there anything anything beyond that that you think uh, is important here in terms of You know, whether it's their style or some of the soft skills that we like to talk about with head coaches. More so in the latter.
0: I do wonder with some of these potential candidates that we're going to get into if you get to the point where they're too close to Rogers' actual age, or they don't have the, the playing or coaching experience that Rogers seems to value, because he's talked so much about playing the quarterback position and coaching the quarterback position as being able to understand his perspective, I think if you get too far away from that, you're running a little bit of a risk, but there are candidates where I think you can run that risk
1: safely, if that makes sense. So let, let's just get into the candidates. All right, let's do that. Do you have a, a non-ordered list, an ordered list? How how do you want to jump off here? Well, we can do f- from either one. The what would be the most ideal, ignoring
0: reality list, and the you know what is the most realistic candidate list.
1: All right, who is your top candidate? The person that you think would be best in this job. So, the for me, it's actually the same answer in both
0: cases. It's Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots. And this was not how I felt about this, let's say like three, four months ago, after McDaniels basically just scooted off from that Colts job that he had had accepted. He hadn't signed a contract, but he had told the team he was taking the job. I thought that he was going to be radioactive for 31 NFL teams. The, the Patriots might have considered him if Belichick walked away. But outside of that, I thought that it was over for him. That na- I
1: totally agree.
0: Yeah, and that now seems like it's not the case. You've seen from media reports and just from things that have been leaked that McDaniels is going to get consideration. We, we know that the Browns will at least talk to him or want to talk to him we know that it seems like there's some connection with Green Bay, which which is why we're bringing him up now. And there will probably be other openings for which McDaniels is going to guard our consideration. It's not just the style of offense that the Patriots play. It's not just the quality of that offense over the course of a long period of time. It's the way that they have adjusted over time to the talent that they have, to the realities of the NFL. That offense makes things so much easier on the quarterback and yet, it still has all of these extra little facets to it. So it's not just a simplified passing game, but it is one that, especially with a quarterback like Rodgers, I think you could see great results from this. Could be
1: peak Rodgers again if all goes well. And to your point about the the age and Rodgers having you know you know this this value in experience and pedigree, he cares about winning above everything else. And what have the Patriots done better than any team in modern NFL history? Cheat. It's, it's cheating. Well. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that too but they they win and all to all Aaron Rodgers has to do is look at the comments from Tom Brady of Aaron Rodgers would throw for 7000 yards in our offense because that is that is the the biggest ringing endorsement that you can get of a coach it just seems like when you look at the mixture of ability and pedigree and I know he had the the failed stint in Denver but that failed for you know a host of other reasons that really are unrelated to you know his ability to work with a quarterback they won six straight games with Kyle Orton or whatever it was I don't think that's going to be the problem here the complaint that I hear from Packers fans is oh I didn't like what he did for the Colts or whatever and it's like well if he comes and actually shows up at 1265 Lombardi are you, do you change your mind? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't that be the most important thing? If you're worried about getting your heart broken again, that's irrelevant once he has his first press conference.
0: Yeah, there's that. But there are actual concerns with Josh McDaniels, and it's not that the stint with Denver ended up going so poorly after that six-win start. Th- there are real concerns with him as a candidate. I mean, we've seen not just from what happened with the Colts, that he might be a bit prickly. I think this was actually also a concern for Kyle Shanahan a few years back when he was interviewing, trying to get his first head coaching job. There's always the possibility that a coach like that ends up just hurting the relationships in the build. I'm not even just talking about with the players, with the front office. There have been myriad reports that when McDaniels is interviewed for head coaching jobs, the guy he wanted to have as a a GM was someone currently with the Patriots. That that will not be the case if he comes to Green Bay. Is there a situation where, not that they wouldn't have a working relationship, but that they might not have the best relationship? I, I think those are real concerns, but I do think that the reward outweighs the risk with him because that offense could
1: be if not one of the best in the, or not the best in the league, one of the very best. All right, let's move to the person that you have number two on your list of best potential candidates.
0: Well, if we're going for maybe a little bit out of the box in terms of how realistic it is for green Bay, I think the next answer is Lincoln Riley. And you and I have discussed him off air for, for Mm -hmm. a long period of time. We just assumed that if he was going to leave Oklahoma and that is not a given, but that if he was going to come to the NFL, It was going to be the Cowboys' choice to to hire him, and then everybody else was a distant second because it's going to take a lot of money to get Lincoln Riley to jump to the NFL. You have a ton of job security in Oklahoma, and frankly, at most of these college jobs when you have the track record that Lincoln Riley already has. In the NFL, if he jumps, he has no previous NFL experience. There's the chance that, you know, just like Chip Kelly before him, even if it starts out really well, he could be gone in three years. So it's going to take a lot of money to do it. The Packers... While not as cheap of an organization as they were maybe 25 years ago, they, they are not going to blow their entire in, entire budget on, a, on a, essentially a first-time NFL head coach. I just don't see that happening. So if the Cowboys end up being in the market for Lincoln Riley, I just don't think the Packers are going to end up with him. If the Cowboys, however, retain Jason Garrett for reasons that pass understanding... Then it becomes interesting. I don't think the Packers are the front runner at that point. I, I, either, either way, I think that the Browns, because of their owner and the money they're willing to throw around, still probably get you know first dibs. But I think the Packers are at least part of that conversation. And at that point, we can talk about what this
1: offense would look like with Lincoln Riley calling plays. I think this also, though, circles back to your original point about age and respect. Is Aaron Rodgers in that room with Lincoln Riley going to say, I trust you to, to know what you're talking about. If I push back and, and can I, or can I just walk all over you? And we don't, we don't know the answers to those questions. We don't know how Lincoln Riley responds to defenses actually existing because they don't in the big 12. So, or, or having to counter punch. So we don't, we don't know how he's going to respond to any of those things, but if, if they go well, If they do work and he's able to bring some of those spread schemes that every coach or or at least a lot of coaches in the NFL have already gone to Lincoln Riley and and picked his brain on, I think you could make the case that this has the highest ceiling of any candidate they could hire. I think that's fair. Now, when you talk about
0: the potential, the soft soft issues you could have with Lincoln Riley, if he were to come to Green Bay— He is only like a couple months older than Rodgers. Now, that may not be a big deal for some quarterbacks. It may not even be a big deal for Rodgers. We don't actually know, but it's something that I think that we have to discuss because if your boss is suddenly someone who's you know was was literally in your high school class, graduated the same year, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a little weird when your last head coach, for assuming that McCarthy is indeed fired, is in his mid fifties. It's just a very big change. It seems insignificant right now, but I do think when you're actually in those meetings and when you're in those practices and it looks like, yeah, this guy could still theoretically be playing if he was more talented, it's going to affect the way that you think about him. It's just the way human nature is. Now, I think the fact that Lincoln Riley played quarterback and coached quarterback is going to help with that. With a lot of these younger coaches, maybe they have one or the other, but not both. Lincoln Riley has done both. He was a quarterback at Texas Tech. He was a quarterback and offensive coordinator at multiple stops. And now obviously the head coach and play caller at Oklahoma. I think these things are going to smooth over some of those potential issues if they are indeed potential issues. But I, I still think that these are all secondary concerns to what is it going to take financially to get Riley there?
1: Yeah, and I think you know they're the, also with the age question, running the risk of you know Aaron Rodgers has said in the past he wants to be coached hard, and I think he holds himself to a high standard. So can Lincoln Riley? It, it I, I don't his his coaching style. I don't know if that's a perfect marriage there because is he going to coach Rodgers hard? I don't know. Could but could he stimulate him intellectually? It seems like he certainly could. So there's there is no perfect candidate i guess is the point that that i'm trying to make here there are a lot of packer fans that seem to be under the impression that just any coach is better than mike mccarthy and and to me that's just like objectively and demonstrably false it is but that's
0: it's, it's not going to matter mccarthy's going to be gone so we, we don't have to dis- discuss right. whether anyone has been improving. we have to discuss who they are going to get one other point with riley though and with a lot of these potential college coaches that we could discuss for the packers or any other job really it's A lot of them run versions of the air raid. And here's my concern with that. And it's not the can the air raid passing attack work in the NFL. We've seen it with the Chiefs. We have seen it with the Rams this year that those plays do in fact work at the NFL in 2018. The concern I have is a lot of those teams in college keep no joke, double digit receivers available on game day and they rotate through virtually all of them. You just cannot do that in the NFL. You only have 46 players available to you. Even if every single receiver on your roster is available, that's, what, seven, eight at most in the NFL. So I do think there are certain adjustments that have to be made for the air rate if it's going to be not just a piece of your offense, but really the centerpiece of your offense. I don't think that's necessarily a reason not to hire Riley. It's just something to consider.
1: All right, let's go to your third candidate.
0: Well, my third candidate was at one point, I would say, the the top option if Green Bay was to move on from McCarthy. And I think he's faded off in recent weeks. And you can probably guess at this point who I'm referring to. Vikings offensive coordinator John DiFilippo. Yep. It it's not that I think his ability to call plays is poor or that his offense isn't creative, but we haven't seen either one of those things for about a month, I think it's fair to say is that because Di Filippo has kind of gone into a shell or is that because Mike Zimmer the head coach has forced him into that shell I don't know the answer to that I don't think any of us can really know but you have to get that answered if you're going to hire him to be your head coach because with virtually all of these candidates not even just the ones we've talked about so far they're going to call their own plays it just seems that's the way that the NFL is going right now so if they're going to call their own plays you need to know that they are going to be smart about it. They're going to be creative with it. They're going to be aggressive when they need to be, and they're not going to go into a shell. And that's at least a question with John DeFilippo right now.
1: Yeah, and and he is one of those, those coaches where a, a lot of fans are going, well, look at that offense. It doesn't seem to be that special, but you do have to go back further. And you look at Philadelphia and what they look like this year. It, it seems clear now that Frank Reich and DeFilippo were a big part of that offense's success and the historic third down conversions that were probably not sustainable anyway. But if you can go back even further to his time in Cleveland, DeFilippo was considered an up and coming coach, a really respected offensive mind. So when you look at just, you know, the football intelligence of this person, that is where I think you, you point to and say, He has traits we're looking for in a head coach in the same way that Mike McCarthy came off one of the three worst offenses in the league, came into Green Bay and totally revamped what Green Bay was doing.
0: Yes, all all of that is true. Whatever the Eagles paid Frank Reich and John DeFilippo last year was just not enough money. It's very clear, not necessarily that Doug Peterson is not a good coach, but that at present, that brain drain is really affecting them because it, the offense just isn't yep. as well run. And you, you know you can attribute that to a certain degree to Carson Wentz coming off the ACL, but he actually has played pretty well. So what Frank Reich provided and what Johnny Filippo provided to that offense in 2017 really cannot be understated. And to talk about what the Vikings have done this year with John DeFilippo, Keep in mind, that is one of the worst offensive lines in football. And while DeFilippo has done a pretty good job of mitigating those issues from time to time this season, you you can't do that for an entire year. When your offensive line is that porous, it's just going to affect your ability to call certain plays. It was clear the first month of the season, how much they wanted to have Kirk Cousins under center running play action. And they still do those things, but not nearly as frequently because the offensive line just can't block for it. And when you take such a big part of the offensive game plan away, it has to affect your creativity. There's just no way around it. So I, I do think that that the personnel that they have in Minnesota has affected it too. We, we have to account for that in the discussion of DeFilippo, but. I still feel like there are valid concerns with him as a head coaching candidate.
1: Yeah. I, I, earlier in the season, I felt like the, the tiers of, of potential candidates look differently than they do now. And, and I wonder if, if even DeFilippo, you know, cause he, he had the pedigree of, he was in an offense that had similar bones to what the Packers run. I don't know. Is that going to matter to Mark Murphy? Honestly, I, I don't know. It's, it's something where you need to you need
0: to ask him in those interviews what he would do or plans to do with the current roster. There are going to be additions to it, obviously, through free agency in the draft, but you need to see what his plan is because it might be very different than what he's doing currently with Minnesota. It might be just a version of what he's doing with Minnesota. That, that is such a critical part of that interview
1: and any other interview they're going to have. Is there anyone else that you think, you know, because Green Bay and this has been written about and discussed, it seems like Green Bay is going to be if not the most desirable location, one of the top. Do you think it's necessary that that we seriously discuss other candidates? Are there guys out there that you think could take a leap up and and sneak in here? Those
0: are the top 3 and I think there's a pretty big drop to anybody else. Uh, There were some dream candidates, I suppose. There were some college coaches with no NFL experience and and no apparent NFL interest that could always come in. We have seen that happen from time to time. I don't think a lot of people are expecting, not that this is the most optimistic outlook, but Greg Shiano was not really on anybody's radar until suddenly he was an NFL head coach. So not necessarily it's going to be someone like that, but that you might have someone who's totally out of left field that we're not considering right now. That could be good or bad. It could be someone like Washington's Chris Peterson. It could be someone like Penn State's James Franklin, the latter of which, I wouldn't feel quite as optimistic about for the Packers simply because if you take out the years that he spent with Joe Moorhead or the year directly following Moorhead's uh, departure, those are not great offenses. And I think that's really what you're looking for in your next head coach. Uh, You could go down the line for other NFL offensive coordinators. Pete Carmichael's name has come up. And I really do not know how to evaluate him. And I'm curious what you think, because you don't usually see offensive coordinators who have been part of some of the best offense in the NFL just garner next to no head coaching interest. And that's the case with Carmichael.
1: Yeah, even even in other offenses where the head coach gets a lot of the credit, you see teams poaching from that coaching staff. And for whatever reason, Pete Carmichael has just not been a part of those discussions. But you will find people around the league who say, hey, if I were going to if I were going to start a franchise and I needed a new head coach to to run my offense, that would be the guy that I would go to. So I think he'll get some consideration around the league. I don't think he's going to be a serious candidate and. And I guess, you know, you look at the Rams, their offensive coordinator is a first year offensive coordinator, same with the Chiefs. So who are the, the guys with with proven bona fides? That's why I think the discussion, you know, the three guys we we looked at, they seem like the three best candidates and Green Bay theoretically is going to get its pick of this group of candidates. Let's shift the conversation a little bit because there have been a lot of Packer fans who have suggested that what they'd like in a new head coach, so aside from this offensive creativity and and whatever culture change they make there, is they'd like to see Mike Pettin retained on this staff. Now, that's not unheard of. The Bears did it with Matt Nagy. There is there is certainly precedent in the league for this sort of circumstance. If you were going to pick from Packers coaches who you think would would serve this team best by being retained, is it Mike Patton? I certainly think the case is strong to retain Mike Patton.
0: That, however, is not the number one assistant that I think the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers should retain. That coach is James Campen, the offensive line coach. There are maybe five, if even that many, good offensive line coaches in the NFL, and it's such a critical part of any offense. James Campen has proven time and time again to be one of those great offensive line coaches. So many of the Packers' best offensive linemen during the McCarthy era were developed by Campin, and they were developed as late-round picks. David Bakhtiari, who's an all-pro-level left tackle, fourth-round pick. Josh Sitton, fourth-round pick. TJ Lang, fourth-round pick. Corey Lindsley, fifth-round pick. Brian Balaga is really the only long-term starter during the McCarthy era that Campin has developed who wasn't a late-round pick, and Balaga while he misses a fair amount of time with injury, has been one of the better pass-protecting right tackles in the game. I don't think you really complain about his performance when he's actually playing. So James Campen, I think, is such a critical part of that offense that we, frankly, just don't talk about because almost nobody talks about offensive line coaches. If they were to lose him, I think it, I think it would just be such a massive brain drain, such a, a massive coaching loss because – even though David Bakhtiari is still going to be there and going to be good, even though Corey Lindsley is still going to be there and is going to be pretty good, even though Brian Balaga will probably be back for the last year of his contract, and if he's healthy, play fairly well, what happens when you need to develop that next guard? What happens when you need to develop a backup offensive lineman that's where someone like Campen comes in. I think it's critical that the next head coach of the Packers makes sure that Campen stays. And Campen was not part of the original, or he was part of the original McCarthy staff, but he was in Green Bay before that. So
1: there's precedent for him staying, even if the head coach goes. Well, and and we've seen this w- with other teams. They, you say, oh, how much can an offensive line coach really matter? Well, Dante Scarnecchia in New England, leaving, played a huge. I think he just retired. But he played a huge factor in the the decline of that offensive line. They early on in that Patriots run, it was like they would just like Logan Mankins would just fall out of the sky because of their offensive line coach, and and to lose that, I I think you're right. That's a it's not one I had initially considered, but as soon as I pulled up the list to to look at some of these coaches, I was like, no, that's that's got to be the guy. What do you think though about you know this this opportunity to keep Mike Patton do you think that makes sense because it certainly seems like someone like Lincoln Riley I don't do they even have defensive coaches in Oklahoma I mean it's laughable what that defense looks like it seems like he could be open to something like yeah, that. Yeah, and with, with, with frankly, all of those candidates,
0: if you look at John Filippo, they spend time together in Cleveland on the same staff. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee that they'd want to work together again, but certainly if Filippo ended up being the Packers' next head coach, it's something he would consider. Uh, Lincoln Riley, it's the same thing if you like what the defense did in 2018, in terms of the progress it made, obviously this is not an elite defense by any stretch of the imagination, but looking at the progress it made from the previous season. And especially with those young players, the way that Jair Alexander has developed the the way that frankly, that the defensive line has performed. If if those things encourage you, I think it's something that you really seriously consider. And while Josh McDaniels and Mike Penn have never been on the same staff, to my knowledge, they certainly have seen a lot of each other in the AFC East. They, they, they coach are coached against each other when Pettin was with the Jets and with the Bills. That could be a situation where they respect one another, and if McDaniels gets the job, that they keep Pettin around for that reason, or, or at least seriously consider retaining him. Because there are not a lot of great options in, ter- in terms of replacements if Pettin goes. It was part of the reason why Pettin was kind of a coup for the Packers when they finally decided to fire Dom Capers. So. I don't think it's a given that Penton returns, but I would say that it's closer to a coin flip than you would get with most defensive coordinators where the head coach is fired.
1: So if you're going to make a prediction about who is the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers, who is it and why?
0: I think, and I'd say this with a ton of confidence, but I, I am increasing my confidence level with this. I think it's Josh McDaniels, We've already seen the two connected with media reports, and if you, as as I'm sure you have with your listeners, read the tea leaves, you know that some of these reports are probably coming from McDaniels or something that McDaniels wants out there. I think the interest from McDaniels for the Packers job, if it opens, is real. It's a question of whether or not the Packers want him, and as we've seen again from these reports, Gutekunst has done his homework already on McDaniels when he was in consideration for the 49ers GM job. and. I see no reason why he wouldn't seriously consider McDaniels now for the Packers job, given what's happened with that offense and what McDaniels can provide. There there might be a dark horse candidate that we have not brought up, and that could change things. I mean, McCarthy was a dark horse candidate to a certain degree when he came up in 2006, but McDaniels makes a ton of sense on paper. The risks are real, but I don't think they're enough to overcome the the real reward he can offer.
1: And again, the connection is already there. Jason, I appreciate you coming back on the show as America's guest. Uh, let our listeners know where they can find you if they don't already do so.
0: Of course. You can follow me on Twitter at buy underscore JBH. You can find my articles on Acme Packing Company, SB Nation, NFL.com. Uh, anyone who's willing to pay me, I will probably write for you. And yeah, you can probably find me on this podcast in about a week.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Take care. All right, I want to thank Jason again for joining the show, coming back on the show. He is truly America's guest on Locked on Packers, and I always appreciate his insight. You should, too. Go follow him on Twitter, at by underscore JVH. Uh, we used to have a podcast together, and uh, it was fun. We did it for, for a couple years, and but we basically just ran out of the time to do it and make it work. So, unfortunately, this is, this is the most we have now, but... That's why it's extra fun to have him on. So we'll have crossover Thursday tomorrow with Arizona to talk about the hapless Cardinals, the worst team in professional football coming to Lambeau on Sunday. And this is a game Green Bay should just go out and win by 30. Get your frustrations out on a bad team with a rookie quarterback. That's sort of what they did against Buffalo. You hope some of these injured players are going to be back and and we'll have some of those discussions tomorrow. And then again on Friday. Uh, to look at the injury report there. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920 341 3775 to tell me how you are staying locked on Packers.